0: Jonah I appreciate that appreciate your heart and your prayer this morning well good morning CCC good morning. a surprise right so um, I, I just need to tell you that uh, this past Wednesday pastor communicated with the elders uh, about his health and was saying well we kind of need to think about what's going to happen Sunday if I don't get better and I foolishly said well if worst case scenario I'll I can do that. Well, you're looking at worst-case scenario, okay? Just saying. So so here's my proposition. If you leave the building quietly in the next two minutes, no questions asked. All right? So starting now, here it is. Uh, now, this won't be a, a Christmas message as such. We're going to fast forward 30-plus years. This baby is all grown up. And so we're going to focus this morning uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's where we're going to be this morning. Uh, he's going to be looking in the face of what has been planned since the beginning of time. So, and this, Let me just give you some background. This all started, and I'm going to share with you what God has been t- telling me, teaching me, uh, these last several months. Several months ago, we were doing our uh, Sunday morning Bible class, talking about uh why bad things happen to good people okay we were talking what how what uh, why does that happen well of course the poster child for that is christ himself right the perfect man fully god fully man and something horrible happened to him well in the process of talking about that we ended up at, in the garden in that uh, in his prayer to god asking him to take that cup from him and i had always appreciated always appreciated the fact that i got to see into jesus heart a little bit at that moment in time and i think that's one of those it's, it's hard for me i can't comprehend this i admit it but but this may have been a glimpse when he was fully god and fully man we got to see both in play here because being fully god he knew everything that was going to happen he knew everything but being fully human he also knew the pain and what the How hard it was going to be, and I always appreciated that. But in that moment, in that point in time, I don't know if this ever happened to you, but you read something multiple times and you see it a certain way, and all of a sudden, this light bulb—and sometimes for me, it's a dim light bulb—but it it came on and said, "Look, this is a this is a litmus test. This is a a template, I should say, for me for when I get into those moments of Gethsemane. We've all had them. I don't know about you. I've had." A few Gethsemane moments and this is a template for you and I to look at and to understand when we get in those moments what we should do and so in the process in, in over the next several months that that kept coming back to my mind coming back to my mind and it was obvious God's trying to teach me something I would even wake up and I sleep through the night most nights but I'd wake up and I'd be thinking about it come on God what's what are you I'm, I know I'm a slow student but really but still, here's what I came away with, and I just want to share with you this morning what he's done his level best to teach me, and I just want to communicate it with you, and if it resonates with you, fine. If it doesn't, you missed your two minutes. So, so, uh, so. Um, four, four uh, 22 words, a powerful 22 words. There's four statements. And elicit four questions, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. But before we start, let's pray and ask God's presence here this morning. So our gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning uh, knowing that I am totally inadequate for this. But I also know that you are more than adequate, Lord. So my desire, our desire this morning is nobody hears from me, but everyone hears from you. So, Lord, I, I'm happy to be your mouthpiece this morning, Lord. And so may you take this and may you be lifted up. May you speak to everyone. May your Holy Spirit be, be, have free reign this morning to speak to every individual's heart here and, and speak to them in ways that will draw them to you in a way that will strengthen their faith in a way that will make them able this coming week to be a light in a dark place, to be salt in a tasteless world. So, Lord, go before me this morning. uh, Put the words that you want me to say in my mouth, Lord. So we ask this in your precious name. Amen. So uh, we'll begin by looking at that passage. And, Jason, I want to thank you in advance for uh, helping me out this morning on the passages. We'll be looking at a few passages this morning. Uh, Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Mark chapter 14. And we're going to read this passage in 32 through 36. And let me explain the reason I chose Mark. Uh, three of the four Gospels have this account. But Mark, most theologians are confident that this is Peter's recollection of the accounts of his life with Christ told to Mark. And so that's why we're, we're going to uh, spend our time in Mark this morning. So Mark 14, 32 through 36. Let's read together. Yet not what I will, but what you will. And so that's that's where we're going to spend our time this morning. So the first there's four four phrases. First one is just simply two words, Abba, Father. Now Abba is a word that has uh, many people will say it's it's one of intimacy, of closeness, a certain comfort level, a certain um, uh, it, it just just is, is a intimacy level that that is hard to duplicate but there's and it's only found that I is only found two other times in the whole New Testament and it always talks and, and so we're gonna look at one of those other ones this morning it's it's a word that is used and the reason I think that, that Christ used that word is it was commonly used in the Jewish culture for boys to call in girls for that matter to call their dad, Abba. That was, that was a common phrase. He uses an Arabic term for daddy. And so he says Abba here. Now in Matthew, it says my father. And I, I thought about that a little bit too. You know, honestly, we, we often say our father. We can be more personal than that. We can say my father, he's mine. He's mine. And, and so Abba though is a, is a term of intimacy and, and I said there was mentioned two other times, once in Galatians, once in Romans. We're going to look at the Romans uh, one in, in just a moment. So, so uh, uh, that will come up on your screen shortly. Romans is one of the terms. And there's a couple of things. There's another aspect of Abba that's mentioned here that we need to be aware of, I think. In, in Romans chapter 8, verses 12 <clears throat> excuse me, through 15. And the Galatian passage is very, very similar to this, but it's a it's a sense of adoption, of recognizing that we are indeed God's son or daughter. Imagine that, imagine that we're his children, we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. But but the flip side of that is, so there is an intimacy with that, but the flip side is also responsibility. It says we are debtors or we have an obligation, right? We have obligation to walk in obedience. That's what fathers and sons do. Son, I'm going to tell you because I know better. I've been there. So that's an obligation we have. There's two aspects of this Abba Father is, is intimacy and, and obedience. So the question here is, the question that God posed to me, it wasn't audible. I don't mean it like that. It's just that he, he directs your thinking in the directions that end up here. What? How would I define my relationship with God? How would I define it if somebody asked me so tell me about your relationship with God what would I say Would I say what I say it's it's intimate I want to obey him I'm that's how it is I would call him Abba in a heartbeat I was reminded um, that reminds me of talking about defining the, the relationship it's important we do that and I remember earlier this fall our oldest grandson Wyatt it I, I uh, noticed that he was going to more volleyball games than usual, and it wasn't because he was a volleyball fan, it was because there was a certain girl playing volleyball. And I never, you know, never had the opportunity to meet her or anything like that. And then later this fall, as a few months passed, and I don't ask questions about that kind of stuff, but I said, so Wyatt, how's, how's the relationship going with your young lady? He said, it's not. I said, really? Can I ask what happened? He said, yeah, she wanted to define the relationship. So said I said nope not interested not going there so so that was that so defining the relationship is important I think it is you need to define what kind of relationship do I have with God what kind of relationship do you have with God that's the first question and then another um, story that um, or I should say another aspect of this is when you're hurting when you have that Gethsemane moment and you're hurting where do you go without thinking where's your first go-to and i think that will tell you and i a lot about our relationship with god let me give an example of this uh this is uh, david uh, and tara their oldest is a son and this is probably three four years ago he was emma their son was four or five years old and let me just say that that he is fearless and impetuous and so he gets in trouble okay uh, on occasion and and he doesn't always think before he acts etc so so we were out at the farm one day I was in front of the shop he was in within eyesight but he was a ways away and all of a sudden he let out this blood-curdling scream that you know right something happened this is not good and he started running toward me and I opened my arms I was more than ready to scoop him up say it's gonna be all right you know what happened etc when he got he ran right by me he didn't even stop he ran right by me and little did i know 10 feet behind me was his dad that was his dad that's where he needed to go he didn't settle for a substitute he went to dad and at that point at that moment in time this is long before god turned the light bulb on about this i thought that's good that means his relationship with his dad is where it belongs i'd have been glad to be a substitute I'd have signed up for that in a heartbeat, but it, I didn't need to because you went to the real deal. So, um, define the relationship and go. There's a lot of a lot of places you can go when stuff things get tough, right? A lot of you know, food, drinks, sports, hobbies, any kind of a you can head those directions, right, to to ease the pain. It's it's a substitute. Don't do it. Go to God. Run to Him first, Avery. Our other, uh, we have a granddaughter. When she was real tiny, before they can even talk, you always go up and say, "Can I hold you?" That's what you say, isn't it? "Can I hold you?" So when she could talk, she didn't say, "Will you hold me?" She would just say, "Hold you." So, so I got to thinking about that. Isn't that how we should be? I just want to hold you, God, not hold me. I want to hold you. And so, um, just a couple of reminders of of how important it is to define our relationship with with God as our Father. Okay, here's the second second phrase. Second one says in in, in, in verse 36, all things are possible for you, right? All things are possible for you. The next question I was confronted with, how big is my God? How big is he? Is God as big as he needs to be in my life? Is he as big as God's word says he is? Do I really live like I believe? He's that big. It's a big God. He is a very big God. And sometimes, sometimes he's not big enough in my life. He's not quite big enough. Can he really do all things? Do I really believe that? Do I really li- live like I believe that? There's a couple passages I want us to turn to, a couple to, a couple in, in, in Psalms. The Psalms are full of this type of thing that talks about just how big our God is. Psalm 92 is the first one we're going to look at. Psalms 92. 92, verses 1 through 5. Let me read those for you. It says in my Bible, How Great Are Your Works is, a, is the title of this Psalm. And then it says, A song for the Sabbath. I don't know about you. I love to sing. My grandchildren have told me I'm I can't. and and I'm willing to accept that I've been told by other people that too so I can accept that but it's still wonderful to sing together about how great one of my favorites that the worship team sings from time to time is is how great I won't sing it for you of course but the lyrics go something like how great is our God sing with me how great is our God how great is he and so I was challenged he challenged me about making him big enough in my life. Here's, here's the passage, 92, 1 through 5. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning, your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp and to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. Certainly too deep for me, this humble guy. But he's a great God. He is incredibly great. And then turn your Bibles. Uh, again, Jason will have that up. Psalm 145, 1 through 7. 145, 1 through 7. It says a song of praise from David. Psalm 145, verses 1 through 7. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever every day i will bless you and praise your name forever and ever great is the lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works i will meditate they shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and i will declare your greatness They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. A lot there about how great this God is, his works, his deeds, his faithfulness, his righteousness. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. So again, the follow-up question to how is my God big enough is do I live like he is big enough? Do I live like that or do I think he's going to need my help a little bit Yeah, I I think I maybe need to intervene here, you know, and kind of, he doesn't need my help. He desires me to be obedient, and he can use me, but he doesn't need my help. He's a big God. Remember, there's nothing impossible with God. Absolutely nothing. That's how great he is. Let's look at the third one. Third phrase. Third phrase simply says, remove this cup from me suppose you could translate that a lot of ways take this away I don't want it take, let's go to plan B whatever it is he just simply said remove this cup from me so the question that God brought to my mind here is am I honest with God do I tell him everything do I tell him when God I'm not sure I can do this anymore am I honest with him Am I completely honest? Do I share the recesses of my heart with him? Is it safe for me to do that? If I believe, that's why these all fit together. If I believe that Abba Father, he's my father, I can go to him anytime, I should be able to tell him anything. And he's not going to turn me away, not going to do it. He said, You can come, it's safe. Having a safe place to go, to be honest, is important. And we need to understand that God wants to hear the deepest thoughts and recesses of our heart. Let's look for a moment at what Jesus was asking when he said that. Think about what he was asking. He was asking this plan. Now, I want you to understand, this wasn't something that happened when Adam and Eve sinned and the Trinity goes, What are we going to do? They sinned, no, it wasn't like that at all. This was planned way before man was ever created. That was the plan, knew it all. He knows the beginning from the end. That was a plan long ago. And he was saying, I don't, I don't wanna do this. We, he knew the redemption plan. He knew about the humiliation, the ridicule, the beatings, the pain the weight of the sins on his being. It says that God hates sin and Christ is an equal to God. He hates sin, yet he had your sin and my sin on his back that day. But I don't think that was the worst, I think. think the worst was knowing that the God he was running to was going to be was going to abandon him at that point in time when he was feeling his absolute worst the dad that he ran to was not gonna be there he's not gonna be there he's gonna be abandoned and he said he was saying this is too hard I don't think I can do this this is hard stuff and he was being honest I mean how honest can you be right he was saying God I know this is this this has been the plan for eternity past but he just said you can do you can do the impossible here I'm open to that this is gonna be tough going I'm open that's how honest he was because he knew at that moment he knew how tough it was going to be. Have you had a Gethsemane moment? I expect you have. I expect in a group this size that, that there are some right now are feeling a Gethsemane moment. Life's too overwhelming. It's too hard. You know, there's a lot of things: loss of a job, a difficult relationship, a cancer diagnosis that requires a lot of treatment, an addiction, a sin that holds you captive. There's all kinds of things that create our Gethsemanes when life is hard but God can handle your honesty in fact he desires it God's word says that David was a man after his own heart and if you spend just look at some Psalms David was honest he was gut level honest with God and everything if he wasn't happy he told God if he was struggling with something he told God and God said, that was a man after my own heart. How about if you and I were like that? Wouldn't it be incredible if God could say that about you, about me? That woman, that man, person after my own heart. We can be like that, we can be honest. He's, he's open to that, he's open to that. All right, the, the fourth one, the last of the four phrases we're gonna look at is now this for me is the hardest one Uh, confession this is the hardest right yet yet he said not what i will but what you will not what i will he just got saying but you know god I'm, i'm coming i don't know where else to go i'm coming but you and i know you can do all things and so here's what i want you to do yet at the end of the day it's not i'm gonna i'm gonna Understand that I'm going to be about your will, not mine. So perhaps that's the most difficult question of all. Can I, can you, can we willingly accept God's will when it doesn't line up with what I'm asking? Good question. Good question for me. Can I accept that? Can I willingly accept that? We're going to look at a couple passages in John we're going to look and, and these are this is just to give you an idea of how important lining with God's will was to Jesus. So John chapter 12, that's going to be our first one, John chapter 12. 49, excuse me, 49 and 50. So John chapter 12, 49 and 50 says this for I have not spoken on my own authority but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment what to say and what to speak and I know that his commandment is eternal life what I say therefore I say as the Father has told me so he just simply said I'm gonna tell tell you folks what God has told me that his words lead to eternal life his words lead to to salvation, his words lead to the redemption plan. I'm just gonna listen. I'm gonna be his mouthpiece. I'm gonna say what he asked me to say. So remember again, the two elements of Abba, intimacy and obedience. This was the other aspect of that that was very important to our Lord and Savior. John 14, just a couple pages over. John 14, 30 through 31. Here's the words from Jesus' mouth. He said, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. So here again, he's simply saying, I do what the Father has commanded me. What was the reason? So that the world will know that I love the Father. Now, I want you to think about this because Jesus said, he said in, in the Gospels, if you love me, obey my commandments. If you love me, obey my commandments. So obedience is a part of the relationship and understanding um, uh, who, how important it is that, that we our, our obedience simply translates into our love. All right, so that's the last phrase. So let's, Let's wrap this up and make it make sense if possible. So there's four questions, right? Four questions that God impressed upon me. One is, what's your relationship? Define the relationship. Second one is, how big is my God? The third one is, am I honest with God? Am I comfortable sharing Him my deepest, darkest sin? I, am, I, am I? Can I do that? Am I safe? And the last one is, last one is, can I deal with whatever his will is at that Gethsemane moment? Because that's what's important. And so that's our template. Let's go a little bit farther. Let's look at, how God answered that prayer. Now let's think this through with me. Here's, you know, the relationship with God the Father and the God the Son was reciprocal, right? God the Father loved the Son as much as the Son loved the Father. And here was here was his Son coming to him. Now there was agony. It says he was, he was sorrow unto death. The weight of the world was literally on him. And he was coming, and it says, and if you read a little farther in Mark or the other gospels, he asked three times, Three times he came to God with that same request. Three times. How difficult do you think it was for God the Father to say no? That was his answer. You know, people will say, God doesn't answer my prayers. Oh no, he does. There's only three, right? Yes, no, or wait. Time's not right. That's it. God answered this prayer. He did. He said no. He said no. Now it's interesting, shortly after that, I think, you know, their their relationship was such that he got the answer, said, he, he said to his disciples, Come on, let's go, the time has come. From that point on, there seemed to be a resolute nature to Christ about this whole deal. He didn't say anything. He just was very calm and, and composed, I think is a good word. This whole ordeal that he he took on the pain, he took on the humiliation, the ridicule. You can read about it. It was profound, but he, he, he did it all. He went through with this resolute, I'm going to do this, because, why? Because that's what God's will is. He did it. He did it all. So here's, here's the thing that I didn't know was going to get here, to be honest with you, but it was all said and done. God said, so are you afraid of getting no? Are you afraid of the answer no? Yeah, I guess I am sometimes. I always wanted a yes. When, when we come to God, don't we always want a yes? Sure we do, but I, I would challenge you this morning as God has challenged me, don't be afraid of a no. Don't be afraid when he says no because that means there's something better. There's something better. And let's look at how this story ends in god's word about this very story of when christ said i want you to take this away god please take it away it's too heavy and when you have those moments and it's too heavy and you plead with him and he says no understand it's for a greater good let's look at how this story ended in philippians philippians 2 this is Tell you in advance, you might have to be patient with me here. Philippians chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. Now, this, this is how this story ends because he accepted God's will. And being found in human form, we just were a witness to that in the garden. He humbled himself by becoming what? Obedient, obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every knee, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then it says at the end, to the glory of God the Father. So, how'd the story end? All toward the glory of the Father. So, when God says no to you and I, and he says, I'll walk through this with you. He's not going to, you know, it's not going to be as tough as it was for Christ. He did. He walked away from Christ. He said, you got the sin. I can't look at that. I'm, I'm out for a period of time. He's not going to do that with us. He's going to walk through it with us. But he's not necessarily going to tell us yes to our request. But when he says no, I will tell you, I will challenge you that there is something greater in store, that somehow God is going to be glorified in that. In our obedience God is gonna be glorified so so that's how it ended because he was obedient God lifted Christ up Christ lifted God up to God be the glory great things he has done we serve an incredible incredible job God I should say humbly embracing God's will in our Gethsemane moments will always bring honor to our Savior. We're going to have if you haven't already, you will have Gethsemane moments. Some of you out here right now are probably going through Gethsemane moments. life's heavy, it's hard. I want to change the I want to change it somehow I want to change it. If God says no, embrace it and walk through it with him and God will be honored. You, you may not even see it. You may not even see it on this side of glory. Just one example of a Gethsemane moment I had was at uh, the age of 62, which at the time seemed, you know, wasn't very young, right? 62. Now it seems quite young, but but 62, he was diagnosed with terminal cancer, and I had spent my whole life with him on the farm and and wasn't really ready to say goodbye, I wasn't. And so I approached him, God, and I said, hey, this is hard, I don't wanna go through this. I want him to stick around, that's what I wanted. I want, you can do this, I know you can. But five months later, he was gone, God said no. Now, do I, do I understand at this point the greater good, not necessarily it doesn't mean that we're gonna understand the greater good on this side of glory. But I believe that to be true. I believe that to be true. Somehow God was honored, will be honored simply because we said, Okay, it's all right. It's all right, God. You know what you're doing. If if you are as great a God as your word says you are, you've got it. You've got this is this is a plan I have to Agree to, I can willingly go there. And and there I've had others, and you have too, I'm sure. We'll get so many moments. Remember those four questions. Remember how Christ did it. Remember His obedience. So I'm, let's close the word of prayer. I'm going to ask the worship team to come, and now they'll, um, they'll share a closing song with us. Let's pray together. So our great God and heavenly Father, we are privileged to be here this morning. We are privileged to know you intimately, to walk in obedience. We're privileged to call you Abba Father. We're privileged to know that you can do all things. You are an all-powerful God. Your word says that. We have to believe it. You also want to hear what's on our hearts. You want to hear what what's too big for us. You want to hear about it. God, there are a lot of things in life that are too big for us. So help us to be honest, to bring those, lamb at your feet, and then see what your will is. Sometimes you will say yes, and we rejoice in that. Sometimes you will say no, and we will accept that because we know you have what's, there is a greater good that we don't see. Help us to have faith to do it that way. Help us to live in obedience because the world needs to know how much we love your son. The world needs to know how much we love you. And they'll know it by our our obedience. So thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the way you teach us, Lord, day in and day out. Help us to be good students, to be good disciples. Thanks again, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for uh, this worship team that is going to come and share with us right now. In Jesus' name, amen.